Ave, and welcome to Emperors of Rome, a podcast series looking at the rulers of the ancient Roman Empire. I'm your host, Matt Smith, and with me as always is Dr. Rhiannon Evans, a lecturer in Ancient Mediterranean Studies at La Trobe University. Now that we've learnt all about Caesar, it might be good to take a bit of time to explore what an emperor actually is. It's not always clear-cut, and it technically doesn't apply to Julius Caesar. Here's Rhiannon Evans. The word emperor comes from the word imperator in Latin, which is a word meaning general, a person who has imperium, supreme power. It was one of the terms imperator used for the people we call emperors, but they would have thought of themselves as being the princeps, which means the first man. And the word emperor we've subsequently come to use for all of the principes, which is the plural from Augustus onwards. The reason that we don't use the word emperor in antiquity, if we're being very accurate, is that it's a subsequent term. It's not a term they used themselves. And also, when Augustus first comes to power, it's not very clear whether it's going to be permanent, whether this is a dynasty or whether he's a one-off. So we think of the empire having emperors as being a particular system, but it's a system that grew over time. And so it's a bit anachronistic to use the word emperor, but we're going to anyway. So if emperor is a term that we just use then that wasn't applied back then, is the context that we use it in the context that they would think of it is? Is at least the job description accurate if the term isn't? It is. There is a good reason why we use emperor because it does define one-man rule. It defines a system that meant the end of the Republic, where the Senate had a lot of control, where there were magistrates voted for, usually annually, where power was devolved rather than all being put together in the hands of one man. So it's a very accurate term to use for everyone from Augustus onwards. So in that case, why is Augustus considered the first emperor and not Julius Caesar? Because he was definitely one man, one rule. He did have one-man rule right at the end, but Caesar was fighting a civil war up until 45 BCE, and then he was murdered the following year in 44. So he didn't have very long in that role. He had created a role for himself as what he called permanent dictator, but that was meant to be a temporary role, so it looks very anomalous, whereas Augustus does things really by the book. He gives himself, or he gets the Senate to give him the name of princeps, which is actually not a new role. It's not something that's unconstitutional. It's a Republican role, which was normally given to the oldest man in the Senate. Augustus is not the oldest man in the Senate, but he takes that role anyway. So Augustus is very, very clever. And this is a good example of how he actually brings about a political and cultural revolution while seeming to be very traditional and conventional. So that's how it begins, but how does the role of the Roman emperor change over time? The position of the emperor becomes much more solid. So for the first 50 years or so, there's constantly the question about whether you might have another revolution, you might throw out this system. And for the first, up until Nero, until 68, it's one family. So, you know, when that family peters out or if there's a change of rule, then they might go back to the Republic, some people feel. But by the time we get another dynasty after Nero in 69, it's become clear that this is a system that's going to perpetuate. So I guess the role of the emperor changes in that he has more security. 
it's not always very long-lived security for the individual because lots of emperors are murdered. But the actual system of the emperorship, or really we should call it the principate, is something that becomes much more solid. Also, that means the figure of the emperor becomes more prominent in a way. There's a good way of putting this, which is symbolically, he gets gradually raised up. And you can see this in Roman art, that he becomes the most dominant figure in any kind of, say, relief sculpture. By the time we get to Domitian at the end of the first century CE, he's actually got a throne room. So he's being kind of elevated above the masses in a way that is utterly different from the way that anybody could have been in the Republic. And it's not really the way that anybody is early in the imperial system, because they're at least trying to pretend that they're the first among equals. But by the time we get to the end of the first century CE, they're not really pretending anymore. The other thing that changes is the military becomes much, much more important. So the military start to choose emperors. So early on, say with Augustus, he gets to be powerful because he has an army that's loyal to him. But the role of the army changes and they actually get the power because they know that they're essential to the security of an emperor. If they turn against him, he can't be emperor anymore. So he has to secure the military. He has his own personal bodyguard, the Praetorian Guard, and he has to make sure that the army is happy. In other words, he has to give them enough pay, good conditions. They actually like to go fight wars because it means they get spoils. So he has to make sure that the army doesn't turn against him. In fact, when the army turns against an emperor, that usually means his time is up, that he will be assassinated fairly soon after that. And that's what happens to emperors like Nero. So where, if any, is the overlap between the emperors of Rome and the popes of the Catholic Church? Well, the emperor comes to always have the role of the chief priest or the Pontifex Maximus. Now, this is a role that had always existed. It's a role that Julius Caesar took on. Augustus takes it on eventually in 12 BCE. He has to wait for the previous one to die because it's a job for life. And then it just becomes uh, something that the emperor has. So if you look at Roman coins, whatever it says in his honorific titles, it'll have PM there, Pontifex Maximus. And that's a name that the Pope has taken from one of the roles that the emperors had. So he's the chief priest of the Catholic Church, in effect. Dr. Rhiannon Evans, lecturer in ancient Mediterranean studies at La Trobe University. You've been listening to Emperors of Rome, so if you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, leave us a review, and tell your friends about it. You can also follow us on Twitter. Rhiannon is at Dr. Rhiannon Evans, and I'm at Nightlight Guy. Coming soon on Emperors of Rome, we delve into the life of the first Roman emperor, Augustus. Until then, I'm Matt Smith. You've been fantastic, and thanks for listening.